0: Welcome to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast, a show that looks at how our passions impact lives and drive career choices. I'm Andy Gray, a former national and world champion kickboxer. During my shows, I'll be talking with athletes, coaches, fans and more as I delve into their world to find out what inspired them on their journey. Welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle. I've got a great guest for you this week. I am joined by current IBF world boxing champion, Sugar Nix Johnson. Let's find out the whole story. Sugar Neeks Johnson, welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, thank you very much. You know, I, I sent the message and as as you quote on your website and as you quote, if you don't try, you'll never know.
1: That's right. That's
0: yeah. right. Big believer. Yeah, and I'm exactly the same, which is why I reached out. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Sugar, do you just want to tell listeners who maybe don't know exactly what you're best known for what your profession is right now
1: uh i'm best known for um i guess my boxing career that i've had i've just recently won the ibf uh super band and weight world title here in australia in melbourne fantastic um so yeah that's that's what i what i what i do for a lifestyle it's my passion and that's what i what i
0: do fantastic and have you been affected by the floods
1: no, no, that's right. in um, New
0: South Wales at the moment. Oh, okay, okay, I've got a cousin in Melbourne yeah. at the moment. and I know she was just saying that they, they've been really fortunate that they, they haven't been affected by them either, so that's good. Yeah, no, we're, really,
1: we're pretty lucky here. It's
0: just freezing here in Melbourne, that's all. <laughs> yeah, Oh, I'm sure it's – yeah, my, we say that because my cousin's out in Melbourne and she often we, – we wind her up going, while you're in Australia, I'm sure it's really not that cold, and she said, no, really, it does get cold. It does. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think everyone just associates everyone from the UK just associates Australia with being warm all year round.
1: Hot all the time. Yeah, no, it's not. But then I can imagine it's probably freezing where you guys are too at some points.
0: In the winter, it gets cold. In the winter, it is, but it's not. Yeah, it still won't be as you know. It's not. It's not as bad as some places, so we can't complain too much. At least we get some seasons. Anyway, getting back to it. Congratulations, IBF world champion. Thank what, you very much. What was what was that moment like when when your hand was raised? Um, you
1: know, that, that was, um, I guess, a, a lifetime. I wouldn't say I'm, yeah, pretty much a lifetime goal of mine in my boxing career. Yeah. Um, I guess I think every fighter that's probably one of their goals or their dreams um, if you are taking it serious. So I've been in the sport for a long time, fourteen years. It's taken me to get. Um, to this position where I am today. And I, I definitely have put in a lot of work to get there. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it's a, um, it, it it actually just sort of just, um, I was a little bit lost for words when it first happened because I was just so overwhelmed. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's quite a great feeling.
0: I can imagine. And I suppose when your, your, your hand's being held and it goes to a split decision and you think, oh, my goodness, what round is the last, what way is the judge going to go for the last time? Then all of a sudden you realise yeah. it's you. You know, that must, must be quite a euphoric moment.
1: Oh, yeah, it's um, it's a little bit daunting, but then at the same time when you are confident, you're like, oh, you know, this is me, you sort of that, that self-talk in the back of your head. But I've been in that position before and it didn't go my way. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I stuck in there and I knew that I'd be able to one day become a world champion and here I
0: am. Yeah, yeah. Well, well let's go back to the very beginning and, and find out where the journey began. So... You know where did you grow up and, and what were you in as a child?
1: Um, so I grew up in a place called Taonga in New Zealand. Um, just a pretty, pretty average, average lifestyle. Um, quite, quite rough. Like we'd walk to school in the freezing cold, no shoes on. Bread and butter. Like we, I come from a moldy um, background, so that's a traditional. I guess the similar to. Um, aboriginals here in in australia the indigenous people um so we come i come from that background and at the age of 12 my parents decided to move over to australia for a better lifestyle i guess for our family right. um and then when i was 14 is when i first started boxing which i got into it from doing some fitness classes at the local ymca right just wanted to get fit. I was in high school. Wanted to lose weight, and everybody was. ours was sort of like, you know, on on that journey of starting to exercise. So I, that's how I started, just doing boxing. Wow.
0: wow. I mean, you talk about the the lifestyle you lived up to being twelve year old. Well, that must have been quite a big transition going from you know the lifestyle you're talking about there, walking to school with kind of no socks and shoes on in the cold, to all of a sudden kind of almost doing a one eighty and. Yeah,
1: totally it, it really was, down. like, um, like, and, and I guess um, the the people that we, my family and that we we're around, like, just say if I was still living in New Zealand, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have yeah. the opportunities that I have um, a lot of um, in my family back in New Zealand. There's a lot of drug use and right. um, in and out of jail, so... Uh, I'm very grateful for my parents for bringing me over to Australia to, I guess, path this way that I've created for myself.
0: What What was it like growing up at 12 year old living in, living the way that you did, you know, I mean, you obviously knew nothing different. So maybe it didn't affect anything, but, or, or did yeah, it have that, an impact?
1: I didn't really like know any different back then. So, I don't, I feel like I wasn't really affected much by it. being at 12. I reckon if I was still around it, like going into my older teen years, yeah. then I probably would have went down the wrong path. Um, yeah, yeah. But I guess I wasn't really, I did, like I did see a few things that probably the younger kids shouldn't have to see, yeah, but of
0: course. you know. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, you know, fair play to your parents for kind of going well actually because that must be a really hard situation for them to to take themselves away from as well when they've they've been in it for so long so for them to kind of go right we actually want better for our children and for our lifestyle now we're going to move what was it like transitioning from that lifestyle into to sort of i suppose australian lifestyle um it
1: it was very different like Coming from New Zealand, the, the first thing that got me was like the snakes and spiders. I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this is unreal. Like seeing these big huntsman spiders, and I'm terrified of spiders as it is. It's in, coming to Australia, and there's like huge ones like this. It was just, it was, um, I guess, a little bit daunting as well going to a new school, knowing absolutely nobody. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have um, family just down the road to go and see. So yeah, yeah. it was a whole new start. And, um, I guess I sort of just managed to, to go with it.
0: And did you fit in quite naturally with, with the new peer group? Because I can imagine not only just being from a different country, but kind of, you know, that, that's hard enough in itself, but then having to make new friends as you're going into high school as well, like that is a huge transition.
1: Well, funny, funny story. When I first went to my new school, I put in a pair of um, blue contact lenses. Right. So I went to school and everybody was thought that I had these cool blue eyes, <laughs> and i made a, I made a couple of friends, and then we started talking, and they were like, "Oh, well, you got such cool eyes!" I was like, "No, and I've got contact lenses," and so I quite instantly made a good click with a few yeah, good friends yeah. that I still am really good friends with now.
0: Oh, fantastic! So you started because I was kind of waiting for you to say. Well, I started exercising boxing as it, as maybe as a. To deal with the transition, but it's obviously just been the fact that you want to get fit and in, in, in exercise. Yeah. What was it that you drawn you in at 14 years old into boxing? Because had you ever been around boxing before that when you were in New Zealand? Had your family been part of that culture?
1: No, I wasn't involved around boxing, but I was quite um tomboyish growing up. Like, I'd play rugby with all the boys, like on my lunch break during school, so I was quite rough. Like, oh, yeah. um, all my cousins, like, I would hate them. I would prefer to hang out with the boys rather than the girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I was drawn to, I guess, more of a combat sports because the boys that I were around, they were always about fighting and, you know, <sighs> yeah, yeah. all those things. So I seen a lot of that and I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to give it
0: a go. So what was it about the box size class that you attended that drew you in? Because it's a very different to boxing.
1: Oh, very much so. What actually happened was the trainer there, his name was Phil Holiday, and he was the ex-world champion himself. Right. And he actually said, I've got a bit of natural talent. And uh, my dad was with me at the class, and he said, like, look, I've got an actual boxing gym. Would you like to come down? And my dad was the one, like, I'll bring her down tomorrow. Wow. So ever since then, my dad sort of just really pushed me into, into getting into it.
0: Your biggest supporter.
1: Yeah, yeah, So oh,
0: fantastic. So what was, the, what was it like when you went to your first boxing class? Because as we said, they, they're very different. Doing a boxer size class where you're not really getting taught technique and, you, you know, you see people holding pads, you can't even get it on camera because my hands are that far apart. And they're doing all this. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden you're being taught proper technique, you're hitting pads, you you know, it's a lot more methodical because you're having to break down technique. So what was it like going from doing a boxer size class you enjoyed to all of a sudden? I'm in a proper boxing class now.
1: Um, well, I think for me, like, the first bit that I went to was getting my fitness up. And, like, the first fight that I had, I didn't really have a lot of technique. All I did was just go in there and throw non-stop punches. Yeah. And then over time, it was like I slowly sort of was, worked on the jab, then worked on the one-two, then worked on my footwork. So I really had to slow things down rather than – And think about a boxing mentality rather than a fighter's mentality of just go hard, you know, and and try and knock somebody out. Yeah. Um, So I guess doing that taught me a lot of things and and going to my first competitions like having to make weight. um, And I think the whole respect thing about boxing um, taught me a lot of very valuable life lessons.
0: I agree. I think that there's, there's this big stigma around combative sports being really detrimental towards people. But when you look at the amount of lives, it's probably changed because it teaches that discipline. I think everyone thinks that just because you've maybe been young and wiry and, and like to have a fight or a scrap that when you start doing a combative sport, it's going to, it's going to encourage you to do more of that. But actually I I think it it's the total opposite. It's it the totally opposite, yeah. it, 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 it total opposite yeah. and I've seen it and I've taught it. And I think, you know these people who don't see that maybe need to immerse themselves in that a little bit and get involved with it. This this actually see the difference it makes because, as you say, the the discipline. I think the respect comes from as well. You know, you look at um, football or soccer. There's kind of no respect towards referees, but then you look at boxing. You look at the likes of rugby. It's always yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir, yeah. isn't it? And and you think well that respect's respect- lost in other sports.
1: Uh, boxing, um, I feel like a lot of the opponents these days respect each other and have great sportsmanship.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, there's not many sports you can see someone kind of beat each other up for 10, 12 rounds and then give each other a cuddle at the end.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> and, kind of and, it, yeah it, and it's right, and it's the way it should be. So, you talked about that first fight, do you think did that give you a bit of a bug for it? Did, did after that first fight were you thinking, oh my goodness, this is something I, I really want to pursue?
1: Well, to be honest, I actually lost my first fight, um, and it didn't really bother me. You... I was actually quite surprised. I just enjoyed being in there, um, you know, punching on with somebody, and yeah. I just kept going from there. I was like, okay, I like this. I can get better at this. Yeah. I, I, I want to get better at this.
0: I mean, you had a massive amateur career. Was it over 70 fights?
1: Yeah, yep. I um, I competed at four world championships, Wow. And I think I won five Australian titles.
0: Wow. That is massive. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely huge. You know, have that longevity. And I, I obviously I noticed that your, your professional career started in 2016. Was the, the drive to go professional, was that because you kind of just missed out on the 2016 Rio games?
1: Um, well, what had happened there was I was going to go for the – Com Game trials again, but the weight divisions back then was 51, 60, and 75, yeah, yeah. and I fought at uh, 54 kilos. Light. And when I did go for the Com Games trials, um, I really struggled in the last rounds. Yeah. Um, and to make the weight, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I was on the scales all the time, like yeah, constantly yeah. three times a day. You know, I was just working out too much, and I just stopped enjoying the sport. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. was like – what do i want to do and then i was like okay you know maybe i could go into the professional ranks and then that that's how that come about
0: was it somebody that came over to you and said okay sugar we we believe in you we think you can go professional now we 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 can see that you're no longer enjoying the amateur ranks it's maybe it's, it's too difficult to make the weight because of the disparity now we want you to sign professional
1: um, I, there was a, um, trainer that I was training with that sort of, I expressed my feelings to, yeah. and I think that he could see that I wasn't enjoy, enjoying it anymore. So he did sort of push me in that direction. And then also my dad, he was like, yeah, go for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about it. Cause I've spoke, as I said, we've spoke with a combatant of sports people in other boxes as well. And everyone thinks as soon as you sign, star professional, that that's it, you don't work anymore. You've you're literally just a professional boxer, and we know that's not the case. It's it's got a, it's a post- very much building. not the
1: case, yeah, yeah.
0: It's, I mean, as a world champion now, are you still working part time? I upfront?
1: am still doing some sort of work, yeah, yeah, yeah until cool. until you can get like the I guess these days it really helps when you can get some good sponsors behind you. Yeah. Obviously, do not be able to work in full time train, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, like, I guess women's fight pay at the moment is nowhere near as much as the, no. as the guys. So, um, for me, yeah, I still am doing a bit of part-time work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the journey. So you signed a professional contract, you're now a perfect, what's the difference like going from amateur to professional? Cause I can imagine the jump is still huge.
1: Um, you know what? I feel like it's been a long transition, from the amateurs and, and getting out of that style and the amateurs on up yeah. on your toes, in, out, in, out. And, I, and I've still got heaps to learn and yeah. lots of that amateur style to sort of get rid of sometimes. Um, but I guess it's more so about sitting down on your shots and, yeah, yeah. and the power shots and then the the um, the rounds. you got 10 rounds. It's not three rounds anymore, yeah, three, yeah. four rounds. So you've got a little bit more time to, um, I guess, pick your shots and and work on the shots and work your opponent
0: down what's it like when you do your first 10 rounder <laughs> going from i know you gradually build up these 10 rounders, but it's still massive
1: yeah no that's the first 10 rounder that i've done um i was pretty gassed towards the end but i guess the if you train for it then you're gonna be prepared for it you know but the training and the fighting are sort of two different things. So I Very
0: thought I was I was ready and I was prepared for it, but I was still wrecked. Uh, 100%. I think you, I know you can train, you can kind of train until the sun comes up. It still doesn't necessarily, it's more the mental preparation, isn't it? All of a sudden, mm-hmm. I'm not just in the gym training with people who I know, or I've got new sparring partners. It actually means something when it becomes a professional fight, because as you said, yeah. it's the difference between having maybes to, go back and do more work or get get that recognition where all of a sudden I can become a world champion, start getting more sponsorship on board and really raising the profile of who I am because you almost become a brand, don't you? You know, it's not, it's not even just like.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Build your own brand. And like, even in my last fight that I had the last two rounds, I really had to pick up my work, right, get back on my jab. And I was just thinking, I cannot give this fight away here. I need to keep scoring my
0: points. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of those things, certainly in the boxing world, you know, any other sport wouldn't really matter. But within boxing, everyone always seems to think that you're one fight away from the end of your career. And you think yeah. it, it can't be right, you know, just because you've lost one fight. You know, teams lose one game and it makes absolutely zero difference to the kind of the progression of, of, of what they do over a season. Other combat, combative sports lose one fight. Okay, they've lost one fight. You know, I think because you only do one on the night, people almost think, "Well, that's the end of the career." They've had a world title shot; they won't get that again. And it's it's crazy. I feel like, um, yeah,
1: because I feel like everybody wants to keep that zero zero, yeah. you know, that that no loss and and it's the um, undefeated. I feel like that's what some people are chasing.
0: Yeah, but and you look at some of the the greatest competitors of all time apart from maybe flying Mayweather, every one of them have lost. Haven't they? Every one of them have lost at some point. Um, so I, I, I just like
1: think... I don't really see it as a loss. I see it as a learning
0: curve. 100% I totally agree. I think it's just, it's maybe it's emphasised more because it's only what, you're not, you're not fighting weekly. You're fighting maybe yes. three, four times a year rather than every week. So... Professional ranks is that do you think is that where the real hard work started as soon as you say professional because all of a sudden now you're going to be fighting on professional actually going to be climbing the professional rankings for different world governing bodies and you've got to try and maintain a lifestyle where you can generate an income as well.
1: Um, you know, what? like I can't say that it's going to be harder because in the amateurs you still had to work hard. You know that whether your goal was to win a um gold medal at the olympics you were still putting in the work and you probably still had to work back then but but now it's like i'm chasing a different goal so i'm going to put in just as much but if not more
0: i'm just thinking though as an australian champion were you a funded athlete yes so and that and that and i think that's where i'm getting at the transition from going all of a sudden being a funded athlete to being a professional athlete without that funding attached to you anymore
1: yeah yeah. that must be a huge transition yeah very very much and i think it was more so from there i had to work on myself and building myself as a brand and trying to make connections and market myself get get sponsors on board um it it almost takes away from the boxing there's a lot of work involved especially when like sometimes when you're sort of just starting, you have to sell tickets and yeah, yeah. to the show to promote yourself. There's a lot of work involved. It's not as easy as getting in there, fighting, getting paid, sort of thing.
0: That's and that's one. Of, let's talk about that journey a little bit because I think you know for, certainly for the for the young ladies who aspire to be a world champion, you know there'll be there'll be thousands of little girls in Australia now in New Zealand going, "I want to be the next Sugarneix Johnson. I want to be a world champion." Now you know we and we, we've said this on a few different podcasts social media paints a, a 10 second snapshot of somebody's day it's it's mm-hmm. very much it looks fantastic but they're not seeing what's going on elsewhere and and it's it honest, that's what social media as well it's about painting this great picture and showing people the lifestyle you live in and, and the best parts of it which is fantastic but it's not necessarily reality so you've went from being a funded athlete who's you know kind of probably got the world at a feet you know you, you you're getting you're getting paid to do a job that you love whether or not it's a good payout, you're still getting paid to do a, a job that you love. Now all of it, and you've probably got access to some of the best facilities in Australia. Now all of this, and you're yep. a professional athlete, and that's all being taken away. And you've got, like you said, you've got to build this brand. You're almost too busy building the brand to be able to really concentrate on Both some of the boxing awesome. elements. So, how do you navigate that journey?
1: Um, you know, I feel like um, you get the right people around you, and they can help you and support you to get help, get you as much help as you need be. and You just got to put in the work, like yeah. the, the boxing side of things, you have to put in the work there, the social side of things, you have to put in the work there, the networking, the creating relationships with people, um, interacting with the fans on social media. I feel like all of that plays a big part.
0: Yeah, yeah. How do you convince sponsors then before you're a world champion that actually you are going to be a world champion? Because we're talking about building this brand and we're talking about, you know, we want these young ladies to be inspired and we want them to realize that. And hopefully, as some of these young ladies grow up, the, the journey will be a lot easier because of the likes of yourself. And obviously, certain here in the UK, we, you know, we've got the Natasha Jonas's, we've got the Hannah Rankins, the Katie Taylors from Ireland, who've, who've really set a precedent for what women's boxing is about and the fact that they have their own shows. And it's unbelievable. So hopefully, as, as as I say, little girls are getting bigger, The journey's a lot easier. But at the moment, let's imagine it doesn't. How do you go about convincing somebody that actually you're worth um, investing in?
1: I feel like, um, I guess the approach that I've sort of taken um, in the past is create a relationship Um with somebody you're trying to or a company that you're trying to reach out to and actually go and meet those people, talk to those people, show interest in, in what they're doing and what they have to offer. Um, and people tend to um, vibe off your energy and the person that you are and they can see the work that's being put in. And if they want to do their research, they do their research and they can see like... Um, what i guess what sort of athlete they're going to be investing their time
0: and money into no it's it's really really good advice really good advice so looking at your career you've had over 70 amateur fights it's become a bit of a well you're not enjoying the sport anymore and you you've just missed out you're on the shadow squad for the for the olympic team it's almost like you see four years is a long time to invest if you want to go to an Olympic cycle, so you would have been winning, well, it would have been 2021 due to the pandemic. And there's no guarantees again that you're going to make the squad. All of a sudden now you become professional. At what point in your professional career did you start looking at it and going, you know what it is I I actually could become a world champion here? Because you you've done it quite. It's it's took you a while to get there as well. When you look at some pro- professional boxers, certainly come through now, they can have a, like a world title fight within four or five fights. Sometimes you know it's it's been almost yeah. fifteen fights for you to get that world title opportunity.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it has been a um, it has been a long journey, and I think maybe about my maybe first fight, I was really like you know the um, the women's boxing is quite quite small compared to the guys like I'd love to win a world title and really put all this work that I've put into um, the boxing career um, to a goal and something that I wanted to achieve in the pro sport Um, so that's when I sort of set myself that goal of becoming a world champion and then you know, there's there's still more bouts to come, so I want to chase those now too.
0: So who are you looking at next? Because I'm kind of I'm just looking at your division there, and you've got Marilyn Rivas, you've got Yamalith Mikado and Sagaline Lefebvre. Oh, sorry if I've got a name wrong. Yeah,
1: I, I couldn't pronounce that one. I was um I was looking at her earlier, but you know what? I've, I'm leaving it to. Um, my management team at the moment. They're going to see what the best path is to go down at the moment. I think we've got a um, voluntary defence and then there'll be a mandatory come, I think, January. But okay. ideally I would like to do a defence here and then possibly come back down to Bantamweight.
0: Okay. So um, yeah. is there anyone in the in the Bantam where you'd, you'd be calling out? You know, you've got Jamie Mitchell, Yilan Luna, Ebony Bridges, Dina Thorsland. Ebony
1: Bridges will be um, the one to go to and everyone's chasing at the moment. Um, I believe Shannon is next in line down at that division. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe them two fight and then I'll take the winner, both being from Australia, you know. We'll have um, three, three Australians in the... In, and,
0: in the circle there, and I'd imagine over in Australia they'd be huge fights.
1: That would be a huge fight for Australian boxing. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. women's
0: boxing. Yeah, I think in general, I'm just, I'm just thinking the fact that, as you're saying about both being Australians, being in, in Australia, that that would obviously generate massive. You know, I looked at, I think about the Natasha Jonas and the. Um, the ranking one over here, and I think that, that that's a huge fight to happen. Um, you know, you look at the Katie the Katie Taylor Natasha Jonas fight was absolutely that was it, it just made waves over here in the UK, and I'm thinking it, it would be similar waves over in Australia for yourself.
1: Yeah, I, especially yeah, that's um either either one of those fights the the Australian boxing team would love to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, and is that are those fights that you look at and go, I'm confident I'm bringing home the the win yeah yeah both those fights yeah yeah real I, and i love What's
1: that
0: yeah yeah and i love that confidence where does the confidence come from because i'm quite big into the whole mentality of a sport I, you know we talked about before 10 rounds almost becomes a mentality rather than a physicality you know you're fit enough but sometimes it becomes mentally drained and other things getting where does the self-talk and the, and that just confidence come from
1: um you know I feel like that has to come within and you have to work on that as well like you could lose the fight in your mind before you step into the ring but I'm I'm not about that like I'm constantly talking to myself all the time and you know just the power of the subconscious mind and the and the power of the mind in itself so if you work on your mind like you can be unstoppable and I'm always telling myself positive things and, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do. I train hard, like no one's going to stop me. Yeah, yeah. Just got to be positive.
0: Yeah, yeah. So is the vision for you now very much to be a two-weight world champion?
1: That and um, I'd like to go for the WBC and the WBA as well.
0: Okay, so un- unify your division and then sweep over a bantamweight as well.
1: Yeah, yep. I'd be very happy with that.
0: Oh, yeah, I bet you would. I mean, to be fair, just to be world champion is absolutely phenomenal, regardless of, you know, what weight or what, what belt it is. To be in any of those four belts is absolutely, it's, it's a phenomenal achievement. And and really, I suppose you started a little bit later at being 14. You know, you tend to find a lot of sports people started, their, their journey at being sort of five, six, seven years old. The fact that you started at 14 and then from a boxer size class and then have progressed up the ranks has been absolutely phenomenal it is it's it's, yeah, it's no, a, a remarkable journey what would be your advice to do it, to a little girl who wants to be the next jennix johnson
1: um if if you're passionate about it and you love it just make sure you give everything to it and i feel like i have had a lot of passion for it and i tend to put boxing first over a lot of things like yeah. in in school i didn't go to my school camp i didn't go to my school formal um i was never out drinking over night time like and and even still now, like I usually go to bed at like nine o'clock, eight thirty because I've got training early in the morning. Hey. I'm exhausted through my training sessions. So and I find sleep is recovery and you need to recover to be able to perform better. So, you know, um it's a lifestyle that I live.
0: I like that. I love that. I love that. Well, Sugar, I'm conscious and is nearly getting to your bedtime. <laughs> so, Bella, have uh, you go. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for coming on Hobby of a Lifestyle. Can't wait to see how the journey progresses.
1: Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate your time and you have a great day because your day just started, yeah?
0: 11 30, yeah.
1: Yes. Thank Enjoy. You. Have thank a good you. day.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time.